0: Call for the weeping mothers, the lost fathers, and the forsaken children, and let them come quickly, for a voice of crying is heard out of Zion, for we are greatly confused, but death has come into our debtors. To cut off the young men and women from the streets of Philadelphia, New York, LA, Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Mississippi, and throughout America, South America, the Caribbean islands, Africa, Asia, and all over the world. So return unto me, thus seeth Yah, and I will return unto you, O oh my people.
1: we and the and
0: of us,
1: Step our neck down
2: yesterday, get away and cry in the end. We have we get up, stand up, and turn back on the truth. Of the,
0: trend.
2: It's
0: the most the more
1: I I
2: I am. Tossing fire, leaving rubble. I'm trying, trying to escape this futile, futile. It's time to jungle, it's too wild. That's why we got more than two styles to adapt the situation. Too sharp. And though the road is rocky, I'm ready to try the next mile to break free to the blind man. It's down to the left child. We will survive. in this country wilderness. put Swimming through the waters, I'm like a rebel fish. Jungle is specialist, predator and survivalist.
3: Welcome listeners to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with the host, Brother Elliot, Brother Reggie, and Brother Ralph. The number to reach us to join the conversation is 215 253 That's 215 253 The listen-only line, if you don't have computer access, access to a smartphone, iPad, anything of that nature, computer, is 559-726-1300. That's 559 559-726- 726 1300 and the access code is 958590 and pound again that access code is 958590 and pound we're streaming live again if you have uh, any of those uh, internet devices just uh, download the TuneIn app if it's not already on your device and in the search engine type in time for an awakening and you'll see the icon, and you can listen streaming live, or go to www.blacktalkradio.network.com forward slash Time for an Awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradio.network.com forward slash Time for an Awakening, and you can listen live either from your tuning app or the Black Talk Radio site. Drop us an email at Time for an Awakening. At gmail.com. That's time for an awakening. At gmail.com. Time for an Awakening is also on Facebook. Just go to the Facebook search engine. Type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by Brother Reg. And before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. On Facebook. Tonight, we're scheduled to have uh, two special guests join us. Uh, one is uh, Mr. Attorney Alan Rogers of the uh, Lacy family, the Lennon Lacy family. I'm sorry, of the uh, Lacy family, of the suspected lynching of young Lennon Lacy in Bladesboro, North Carolina. Attorney Rogers will be joining us to give us an update on the case and share any information that he can in regards uh, to the Lennon Lacey case. Uh, This made news of the suspected lynching of young Lennon Lacey. It was ruled a homicide uh, during the initial investigations, uh, but the family hired uh, Mr. Rogers, and he'll be with us this evening to share with us uh, what's going on in regards to... uh, the case of young Mr. Lennon Lacey. Also in the second hour, uh, Ms. Carol Holloman-Horn will be joining us. Ms. Holloman-Horn is a former Buffalo police officer who was fired in 2008 after she tried to stop a white officer from choking a handcuffed black suspect that was already under arrest. Uh, Ms. Holloman-Horn will be joining us also to talk about what happened with her and uh, the case involving her being fired and her trying to receive the pensions from her 19 years of service we'll be right back to get things started after a brief word from our sponsors
2: our distinguished guests brothers and sisters
4: our friends and, and our enemies <laughs>
3: Antiquity to the present. Our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening Sundays 7 p.m. with your hosts Elliot and Reggie. Welcome back to time for an awakening and uh, I guess I haven't joined us as of yet, but our co-host is here, Brother Ralph and Brother Ridge.
6: Yeah, how you doing Elliot?
3: How are you sir? Good.
4: Hey Reggie Elliot. Hey, how are you up, sir? Ralph?
3: I see you, uh, back from that, uh, the job had you on, uh, working hard there. A lot of the, uh, yeah. callers was, uh, writing, writing, uh, in reference to you, asking where, we, where had you been? And I told him that, uh, Brother Ralph, we back to the grind after he, uh, take care of some, yeah, take care of some, <laughs> some business there. I'm glad to have you back, brother. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. you know, we, we, we're, we're entering into a, uh. A new year, according to the calendar that we use, and uh, to the listening audience out there, I want to wish everybody a happy new year, but the struggle continues. Um, Tonight, we'll be joined by a special guest. Attorney Alan Rogers will be joining us. Um, Back in August, young Mr. Lennon Lacey was found hanging in a trailer park in Bladesboro, North Carolina. At the time, it was ruled a a, uh, suicide, but the family hired an attorney because they believed that uh, young Mr. Lennon Lacey had been lynched. Tonight, we're joined by Attorney Alan Rogers, the Lacey family attorney, to talk about young Mr. Lennon Lacey and give us an update and share some information in regards to the case. Attorney Rogers?
7: Yes, yes. Good evening, good evening.
3: How are you, sir? And,
7: uh, well, we're doing well, and uh, we certainly appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to be on with you and, and talk a little bit about the uh, the Linda Lacey matter. Uh, certainly, as we know, this family has had a very difficult holiday season. Uh, uh, this is Claudia Lacey's uh, youngest son, and uh, obviously she's been traumatized by the events that occurred back in August. Uh, but But as you stated, uh, you know, when Lennon Lacey uh the night before this incident, uh, you got a seventeen year old young man that's excited about uh his football game the next day, that's worked very hard to get on the uh football team and get in a started position, that's uh prepared his clothing and and gotten everything all laid out and while his family uh believed that uh, again, he was in the room at, at some point. Uh, he went out that night, and, uh, of course, uh, he was later found hung in a trailer park. And uh, it, it, it's just important, like I say, to note that, again, Len, Len had laid all his clothes out. Uh, he'd uh, you know, washed his tights and, and, and had all his gear together. Uh, and while his body was found in this uh, predominantly white neighborhood, Hanging from a wooden swing, the local authorities, without any significant measure of investigation, were quick to uh label this as a suicide and uh and and, and just perhaps hope the family would accept that and and move on with their lives
3: uh, uh, attorney Rogers, before you get to that point let's go back to uh, to young Mr. Lacey. Uh, was he a senior? He was a senior in high school.
7: Yeah, actually, uh, he was a junior in high school. Okay. Junior in Virginia high school, he uh, within the last year or so, he he uh, moved from uh, the Richmond, Virginia area,
3: and okay. moved
7: back down to uh, North Carolina, where his mother originally was from. Okay. And uh, you know, Lacey, uh he worked hard to get his grades up because mom has indicated, you know, in order to play football, you know, he Academics come first.
3: <laughs> I, know, and, I know how that is.
7: Absolutely. And and he had done just that. Uh, you know, he's gotten his grades up, and uh, uh, he's well thought of within the community that we have been because he's a, a well-mannered young man. And in spite of his size, he was kind of like, you know, a gentle giant, you know, the, a big guy, but very respectful of elderly and, and certainly uh, was his mother's baby. So, uh, well thought of by the staff at the uh, high school that he attended, and coaches and everyone.
3: So let's go back. You, you're saying that, that Lennon wasn't born in was that Bladesborough or Bradenboro, Bladesboro?
7: Right, Bladenboro.
3: Bladenboro. Uh, he wasn't born there, but his mother was from that area.
7: Yeah, his, his mother was from the Bladenboro area, and uh, uh, his mother, Claudia Lacey, had uh, you know migrated to Virginia. Okay. And uh, you know came you know, like many, was returning back to home. But uh, it's it's interesting to note, and I'll say that what a lot of folks don't know, uh, Lennon Lacey's, uh, one of his, uh, I, I think it's his grandfather, was a, a a gentleman that was one of the first black uh, general contractors in North Carolina. Okay. And, and uh, you know, they had a, a, a pretty uh, distinguished family history. They owned a lot of land there. Uh, and, uh, but his mom, you know, she had, had some children early in life and she probably didn't follow the path that perhaps some of the other Lacey's would have wanted, but, uh, she was a loving mother and a caring mother. you know, she has, uh, three other sons other than Lenin, but Lenin was the youngest. Okay. And so, uh, when, when I talk about the Lacey case, I think sometimes the authorities, uh, looking at them living in a low income area <clears throat> would not have, uh, realize the, the legacy of that family now, all lives are important absolutely but but I don't know that they would realize that this family would have the the to push for such a uh, you know serious investigation and close look at this
3: I, you know that's why it's important uh, that that we have black media so we can tell our stories the way we want to tell them and I'm kind of glad you right. I'm glad you're here to talk about it uh, according to the published report in the uh, popular media, they said that uh, Young Lennon was depressed because of the death of his uncle. That's what uh, might lead to his suspected suicide. Talk about that briefly. You know, briefly. Well,
7: you know I, I, I think that's just something that was totally blown out of, por- out of proportion. Uh, you know, you had a situation where uh, uh, his mother indicates to me that, you know, of course she She assumed that Lennon was at school because, you know, he generally would leave for school earlier before she'd get up. You know, police come to the house that morning uh, and escort her over to where they found him. And uh, her immediate reaction was something something to the point of, well, I'm sure it took several people to do this to him because, you know, one person couldn't do it because he was a big guy. But rather than focus on that... Uh, They asked him if there anything he would have been depressed about, and she said, well, you know, his uncle died a few days ago. Uh, And rather than focus on her point about this not being uh, the result of his own doing, they just jumped on that issue that he said that he would have been, uh, you know, upset or depressed because his uncle died. But, you know, this was an uncle that lived in North Carolina all his life while he lived in Virginia. And while, you know, certainly he was reasonably close to him, but it was nothing that indicated that he had any kind of uh, expression to the extent that he would be seeking to do harm to himself. To
3: himself, okay. Uh, Attorney Rogers, we... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
7: No, and I'll just add to that. uh, The area that his body was found, that Lenny was found, was probably less than a quarter of a mile from the project community that it lived in, and in spite of the uh, responsibility and, and duty of the police to investigate, they didn't even bother to go back to his house to search his room to look for any kind of psychological profile or establish any kind of psychological profile that would help them to uh, substantiate what his mindset would have been. They, they didn't even bother to look for any suicide no, or in, any, they didn't come back to his room. It, it, I, in fact, this, this is something that came up uh, you know, after I got involved as I asked questions about the extent of the investigation. But it, it didn't even include going back to the house and checking his personal belongings in his room.
3: Attorney Rogers, you mentioned earlier in your conversation that the, uh, uh, the police came and got uh, Miss Claudia Lacey and brought her to the scene in the morning
7: yes yes that that's
3: correct now, uh, I think go ahead. now one before you expand on that uh, it was sometime between the time of uh, eleven o'clock or something that uh, that he left his home and was found in the morning so did they establish a time of his death
7: uh they they had not established the time of his death but uh you know according to the reports the person that discovered him discovered him sometimes around 7.30 in the morning. Okay. And by the time that, uh, you know, the authorities and medical examiner all came, as well as by the time that he was uh, brought down from the wooden swing, they noted that rigor mortis had set in. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, those in that profession would say that it takes several hours for rigor mortis to have set in okay so uh one would assume that this time of death would have been you know several hours before that seven thirty time that this person allegedly discovered him and and I say allegedly because uh you know the nine one one call uh, notes that this person uh you know she says that she cut him down from the wedding set, however, there was no uh evidence of the belts that appeared to have been used uh, having been cut. And uh, and again, also, it appeared from the 911 call that this uh, lady who supposedly brought him down was on the phone with the 911 operator. So one would uh, really have to uh, be creative to imagine how uh, a woman who's small in stature could cut this over 6-foot, you know, over 240-pound man down while talking on the phone. You know, uh, it, it certainly leaves a lot of questions as to even how that was possible. That, But, uh, again, supposedly she finds him around that time of morning. Uh, he's brought to the ground, and, and the police are called. Uh, the, the family had some real concerns about what they regarded as abrasions, as well as contusion on his forehead. Uh, The funeral home also acknowledged what they thought was some uh, questionable abrasions and a contusion. Uh, But uh, the family was told that what they saw was the result of some ant bites, and they noted that they did not see a contusion. Uh, And so that, that is something that is still an investigation, that part of
3: it. Attorney Rogers, before I get Brother Reggie and Brother Ralph, uh, the, the, uh, the co-host on Time for Awakening, involved in the conversation, one other question. the um, According to a published report, and, and that's why I'm, I'm glad you're on with us, it was said that when the police brought Miss Claudia Lacey to the scene that morning, that young Lennon was already taken down and in the van or ambulance, and they had to unzip the bag to show her the body. And it would seem, now I'm no Police officer, or, or you know, I watch crime shows that right, that right. they they tape off the area where the body is and let the crime scene investigators go in and look for evidence. But when they called her to the scene, he was already down and in the van, and the tape was down. Is this accurate?
7: That is accurate, and and it's uh, and that's a very good point, a very good question. You know, it, it it goes to the lack of thoroughness on the part of those the local police department. Uh, you know, by the time they bring her over, uh, according to the, the account that she's given us and given given everyone, Lennon was already in the back of the medical examiner's vehicle inside, you know, a bag, a body bag. Uh, she noted that she unzipped the bag, uh, you know, <clears throat> to identify her son. Uh, she noted the abrasion, she noted the contusion, but she also noted that the, that he had nothing on his hands. Uh, you know, you consider sometimes with uh, a homicide or a death investigation, you might put bags on the hands just to preserve potential evidence that may be under the fingernails.
8: Mm-hmm. And she
7: noted that the crime tape had already been taken up. Uh, and uh, that is certainly uh, highly unusual that they would be so quick to uh, release that crime scene to the community. And so it certainly doesn't give us much confidence in in, in the degree
3: in which they investigate it. Brother Edge, jump in. Yeah, Attorney
6: Rogers, uh, good evening. Um, yes. My question to you to, uh, to lead off is, what is the makeup of the area where the body was found? And also, what's the, the general makeup of the the school and the police department, as far as well,
7: the, uh, sure. Well, the uh, the area where the body was found is, is certainly uh, m- majority uh, Caucasian. Uh, it used to be regarded to regarded as uh, cotton mill uh, row, an area where I guess blacks worked in the cotton mill lived. And if you can imagine, it was a trailer park that's somewhat circular, and you had uh, a A field in the middle. I think young kids might have considered that as a good place for fan football, but you had three swings there. But it's definitely uh, predominantly a Caucasian or white community. Uh, The police department in Bladen County, uh, as of 2014, has never had a black officer working on that police department. Uh, And again, uh, you know, never had a black, and we're talking about a community. That's probably uh, somewhere around sixty uh, percent uh, white and forty percent black, but uh, you know, kind of a, a poor, rural kind of area and community. And most people there working there, they're probably working in the mills and things like that. But they never had a never had a uh, a black working on that
6: police department. And my, my follow-up question: has Has there been any sort of resistance? Uh, from the investigation, investigators in helping out to uh, give up some information in reference to what happened to the young man.
7: Well, uh, you know, I, I think, I think definitely they, there has been uh, some resistance. I would say, uh, in my first meeting with uh, the district attorney and the police chief, and and, I, and I'll go back a minute. Uh, one of the persons in my office. Uh, is from that area, and Lennon Lacey was a relative of hers. And that's how I came to be familiar with this incident, actually. It was through someone in my office. Uh, But in my first meeting with the Lacey family, the district attorney and the police and their representatives, uh, I asked the question, uh, have you uh, gone out at 730 in the morning to – familiarize yourself with the normal traffic flow of people coming and going in that area in an effort to try to, you know, determine where you might gather some information. And 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 this was probably uh, a month after, a month or more after this incident, and their response was no. Uh, you know, there was uh, information about Lynn and Heaven had some relations with the uh, 31 year old Caucasian woman that lived not far from his home. And so I asked the question have you uh, investigated uh, the young lady's husband to determine where he was or whether or not he may have been in the area, have anything to do with it? And the response was no. Uh, why? I mean, it was more of a why should we be investigating him? Uh, Lennon's grave was desecrated. Uh, about uh, a couple of weeks after the funeral. I asked about, have you looked at the, the suspect in that, the someone whether he may have been involved in Leonard's death? And the response was uh, pretty much the same uh, in terms of uh, questioning why we'd be asking those questions. Uh, certainly since the media has shown attention and brought attention to this, uh, they have uh, at least been more... Into uh, and were were interested in trying to get to the truth, but I, I was I was appalled at their uh, kind of nonchalant you know attitude about the investigation when I initially uh, met with them, uh, and, and I, I'll say again, uh, every life is valuable, white or black, uh, Latino, every life is valuable, but I certainly didn't get the impression that they were given. This death, the kind of consideration that every person should
6: expect. And my my last question before I let Ralph uh, uh, come in t- to the conversation is: Can you let us know, in the the audience, uh, know what is the general feeling in the in the community surrounding uh, the loss of this of this precious life?
7: Well, I, I definitely, the, the, the general feeling in the community is that there is some foul play. Uh, the general feeling in the community is that there is some foul play. Uh, the particular area that he was found in, uh, you know, there was some history there because one law enforcement person that previously owned it was involved in some uh, serious drug activity and corruption that landed that law enforcement person in prison. And uh, the, the manner, the, the lack of a, a thorough investigation Uh, his association with this 31-year-old woman that his mom had had really uh, asked to leave her son alone and and not groom him uh, in trying to get him involved in her certainly was a matter of concern. But but I think most folks in the community, uh, certainly those that knew Lennon, really feel that there is some foul play. Uh, Certainly, I don't want to... Suggest that uh, you know we know exactly how this happened, but if you consider there was nothing there for him to elevate himself to this wooden swing, uh, there was nothing to explain how he got there, and uh, that was a question that I was in, you know asking the DA early on, uh, you know, explain to me your your the mode of death. How, how explain to me how you think he could have gotten himself in this position to hang himself, so, and, uh, you know, they haven't gotten, to date, haven't got much of a response to explain that piece, but uh, the community definitely feels there's some fireplace.
3: Uh, Brother Ralph?
4: Yes, sir. Um, uh, good evening, Brother Rogers. Um, I, I, I'm listening to the whole conversation, and you did uh, answer a couple of the questions that I was going to ask you, like, did they investigate that teenager that was the face in his grave? Um, oh, you know, and did they question the woman who he was supposed to be having an interracial relationship with? These are the two people that <laughs> I know they know something. And um, I know there's certain things that you can't say since you are representing the family, but I mean, both of those people knew
7: why. And I mean. Well, you know, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you there. Uh, I, I will tell you that the young lady has since moved from the area. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, through, I guess, you know, through media myself, recently saw an interview uh, with her where she's adamant about the fact that she does not believe that Lynn Lacey. Took his own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she spoke of uh, you know threats that she had gotten and threats that she was familiar with because of his involvement with her.
3: <laughs> Wait a minute, and, the, uh, the, the the white the Caucasian woman said that she don't believe he he uh, hung himself. That's right.
7: That's right. <laughs>
3: okay. Okay. And
7: so this this is you know this certainly is uh, genuine in the sense that it's nothing that we had anything to do with uh but she she says you know she moved away because she felt like she was threatened uh she felt threatened in that area but she says that she does not believe that he took his own life uh and she also was you know she also offered uh, information about uh what she felt had been some 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 threats now and I didn't say it earlier but of course uh, Lennon Lacey, when he was found, he was found with shoes on that were a size ten and a half. And uh, Lennon Lennon wore twelve, and he had a brand new pair of Jordans that uh, have never shown up. And 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 not just the fact that he's found in some shoes that are uh, a size and a half small, but when they sent his body to the medical examiner's office, they didn't include those shoes. <clears throat> Uh, Uh, you know, you know, they didn't include those shoes. Uh, they didn't bag his hands. They didn't include those shoes. And when you talk about resistance, uh, when we talk about forensic investigation to try to like, I'm like you, you know, I'm I'm a lawyer. I'm not a a police investigator. Well, you know, I'm not an investigator, but certainly we see enough cases and we see enough, uh, to know that in today's technology, there's forensic testing that could be done of the shoes of the rope of his clothes to try to
9: get a better idea
7: of who all he came in contact with. And they were resistant to that.
4: Right. Like who do the shoes belong to? Um, right. 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 And also like the teenager that was now is that teenager from the same trailer park? Uh, now, which teenager teenager you referring to? The one that was the face in his grave. Uh,
7: the from the community, from what we know, it's from that community uh but that 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 is uh, about as much information as we can get right now you you're just right. within that same community okay. uh and and uh, and again uh just i guess investigation one o one uh you would think that that would at least be something that would be worthy uh of looking further into, but the initial impression was that they weren't. They were not very interested in that but but I, I'll give credit to uh, Dr. William Barber, the state president of the NAACP here uh, because I, I really do feel that the uh, presence of the NACP uh, in the contacts that they have and and the manner in which they have assisted in shedding light on it has uh, it definitely at least changed the tone of the DIA. Uh, you know I, I don't know. Uh, how uh, you know genuine that is, but it certainly changed the tone, and certainly uh, in getting the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office to uh, to investigate it, uh, you know, gives uh, a, a greater sense that a thorough investigation will occur. Yes, sir. And you know, like this
4: is a we try to get solutions here with this program, and I, I you know, I'm talking, I'm looking at myself in the mirror also. We have basically dropped the ball when it comes to letting our teenagers, our young adults know what kind of system we're really up against. They need to keep yeah. their eyes open, man. I mean, I don't know what they are bought into Disney or any of this junk that they're showing them across the television set, but there's a really, there's a hostile world out there that just a couple of my daughters went through the other night. So really? yeah, so You know, I I I know for a fact. I try to let them know how to act, how to you know
5: who to look
4: out for. Um, Right. And and it's up to our youth to start listening to us, man. And um, I you know I'm I'm talking about me. I think I dropped the ball on some things because I I preach it over and over again, but they they're going to do what they want to do, and then when they end up in situations like this. Or end up in a jail cell. They wonder how they got there. Well, if you'd have listened to me, you know.
5: And and, and I know this is a this is a
4: this is a terrible situation, man. And it really depresses me to hear this.
7: It it does. It it does. You know. And 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 like you all, you know, I'm involved in community here, which is one reason why I I was, uh, I guess, drawn into this. And often say that our young people don't care how much. We know, and so they know how much we care, and you know I do believe uh, being honest. You know we're having an honest conversation nowadays about uh, race in America, and and, you know I I think that's that's really helpful, uh, and it's important. Uh, There are so many who would like to claim that uh, the conversation is unnecessary, but I would say to you, and I say to them. Had, had Ben and Lacey uh, been a white boy, a 17-year-old, that's found in the middle of a black neighborhood, and he's a, a football player and a student that everybody in the, in the school talks about as being well-mannered and well-behaved, you know, no contact with the police. You know, nowadays, boy, 17 years old, had not had any contact with the police. He's doing good, you know. Uh, so, you know, if that had been a, a different situation with a white kid found there hanging, Certainly, they would have given it more attention, and 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 I think, as you say, we we definitely need to uh, be communicating with our young people and let them know that we care. But we also, in terms of, uh, we need to let them know where, where the dangers are, and and try to do our best to to make sure they're acting in a
6: way to minimize those dangers. Exactly.
3: Attorney, uh, so, uh, oh, right. excuse me. Go ahead, great, right, rich.
6: You know, I have I have a a question, and Ralph actually stimulated my mind by a couple of his comments. What he he just stated, I was just thinking: What does justice look like for the Lacey uh, family? And when I'm asking this question, I just want to put it out to you this way. I know justice in one form is actually finding the person or the persons who perpetrated this uh, crime against the young man, but also is justice for the Lacey family, including anyone that covered up yeah, or covered up the absolutely. crime, or or, or or held up the up the crime, whether it's police absolutely. department, district absolutely. attorney. Okay. Yeah,
7: yeah absolutely. I, I, I would say to you that you know Claudia Lacey is the kind of woman that gives you stress because. Uh, you know she is passionate about her children. She has an autistic grandchild that she voluntarily brought into her home and is taken care of and uh and And she would say that uh she is uh would be perfectly willing to uh accept the results of a thorough investigation, but she would also say that my son deserves a thorough investigation to find out what happened as opposed to within a couple of hours after the incident, you know, someone suggesting that he committed suicide and not following uh, procedures that are generally accepted around the country to investigate a homicide. One of the first questions that I asked them in that meeting that I had initially was, what is your protocol for investigating death cases And the response was, there is no protocol. And, uh, you know, again, I was shocked to hear him say it. I mean, uh, you know, I was careful with my wording because, you know, this is not a gunshot victim. This is not a fight at the bar. I mean, this is a young man found hanging in the middle of a white neighborhood. And, and, you know, and and to throw a little bit out about that now, for for the NAACP, they, they quickly note the fact that, it was like uh, on the eve of Emmett Till's death uh, you know, so many years ago, uh, like you know, a, a day. I think it was the day before that or the day of that right at that same time. And so, you know, the, the, the notion that we uh, as a community uh, have bought into this notion that because there's violence in the black neighborhood, uh, black lives don't matter and so we don't need to thoroughly investigate him. it. It's, it's totally uh, offensive, and there was nothing about this young man that would suggest that he would have any reason to want to take his life, and there should be nothing about our system that allows, when a young black man is found dead, that you can do a supervision investigation and tell the family uh, this is how it happened and they just go on their way. And that's just totally unacceptable.
3: You know, Attorney Rogers, I'm kind of glad you mentioned uh, and you brought up the analogy of Emmett Till because what you're describing is something, uh, and especially your interaction with the, the law enforcement, there is something uh, from 1944 or 1945 uh-huh. instead of 2015. Um, right. Two other things I want to mention before I ask uh, some other questions. You mentioned that in the trailer park that he has found, uh, a Caucasian trailer park, that it's, it's circular and that the playground is in the center of the trailer park?
7: Yes, yes. If you could imagine that. Now the trailer's that, around in a circle, the grassy area in the middle, with maybe three or four swings, and he's about in the middle swing in that trailer park hanging.
3: Now, that's not even – like. I mean, they can say what they want, the law enforcement there. That's not even logical to think that a young man is, is – if he committed suicide, use that analogy. Committed suicide in the trailer park and nobody seen a body hanging there until the morning. That that's, that's right. incredible. That's right. Yeah, you know that
7: and, and you know, when, when you think of it, uh if if something was so on his mind, you know, you're you're in a house where uh you know there there there's a weapon in the house, there are knives in the house, there are pills in the house, there are there's so many other ways that he could have
3: yeah, you'd, you'd go to up a predominantly white trailer park and hang yourself in the middle of the park.
7: Yeah, right. And, and and then you ask the question, well, how did he get up there? I mean, there, there's nothing uh, showing that he stood on anything. But how, how did he get himself up there? And, uh, you know, they offer no explanation. You know, I, I, I certainly uh, would think just given proper consideration to this young man and this family that you would, uh, you know, take the measures necessary to to explain how he could have got himself up there, but uh, again uh you know there's a, a great insensitivity to to this and i and I scan i say it 's partly because you know when you start talking about you know black deaths or black men deaths, too often people want to talk about well you know they 're killing each other and 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 if they 're killing each other, then we need not uh look to. Closely into uh, a death, because uh, you know they're doing it anyway, and I, I think that's I think that's uh, totally inappropriate. And, and under these circumstances, this 17-year-old young man, no criminal history. Uh, I mean, he's a model student in school. I'm not saying he's a 4.0 average student, but in terms of his conduct, uh, it, it, black and white kids uh, both have good things to say about him and the way he carries himself. And uh, there's nothing that would give any forecast that that, that he's trying to harm himself, but yet they would put this label on it. I I will add that the medical examiner in North Carolina noted that uh, they only provided her with the fact that someone said he was depressed. They didn't provide her with mob statements. They didn't provide with this history of Lenin or even the mode of death questions. And she has acknowledged that uh, when you consider all things, uh, her opinion probably would have been uh, undetermined in terms of the cause of death rather than this uh, quick notion that it's suicide. Uh, uh, the uh, investigators on the scene on the day Lennon was found, uh, they claimed they couldn't take pictures because the uh, forensic person was awake. On another crime scene uh, we, we're still looking into that because uh you know you talk about small town house and they got two homicides at the same time I mean that's, it's not something that, that that happens a lot, but uh, they were discouraged from taking photos of the crime scene
3: We're joining conversation with attorney Alan Rogers of the Lacey family, uh the family of the young man that was uh, suspectedly lynched. In uh, Bradenboro, uh, North Carolina, in August, he's joining us in a conversation to give us an update and share some information on the case. You can ask a question before he leaves us this evening by dialing 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. Attorney Rogers, um, is there any that you know of because uh, you, you you're from the community and you talk with folks? Uh, we know it exists. Was it? Is there any known activity by the uh, KKK or any other of the terrorist groups that had been known to terrorize our people since we've been here? Is there any activity like that going on in Bradenboro openly? Uh, uh,
7: unfortunately, there is.
3: Okay. Uh,
7: and so, uh, and and I may I, I can't say exactly when, but. Some two to three weeks before this incident, there was a Klan rally. You know, within a within a thirty minute radius of where this incident occurred. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's certainly uh, the fact that you're in a community where the Klan has visibility uh, and and are bold enough to hold rallies within weeks of this incident. Prior to this incident, uh, you, you would you would hope that the police department as well as the district attorney would have been more sensitive knowing that fact Uh, so unfortunately uh, we do have a community where there's been evidence of plan activity Uh, and that certainly uh, doesn't help with this family except in this uh, you know haphazard investigation and uh, their intent to designate it as a suicide uh but but, I, but again as i said uh the family just uh they they want a thorough investigation they they certainly have not been provided with facts that would explain how he was able to put himself up there and uh and 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 commit suicide uh there's certainly the notion that the officer or the police department investigators didn't bother to go back to the house and search the room and look for any evidence to get the psychological profile uh, Lenin didn't have his phone with him uh, when he went out that morning and that's unusual because you know 70 olds and cell phones are uh, you know they, you know they're inseparable <laughs> yes uh, and uh you know we're, we're still looking at some things in relation to that cell phone and and uh, when they did get it some things that they did with regard to information that was on it but uh it, it is uh is very unfortunate uh, traumatic incident, uh, it certainly, I think it speaks to the, the conversation uh, that we're having across the country in terms of the value of a life. And uh, every life, uh, again, whether it's black, Latino, uh, white, or whomever, is equally valuable. And the family uh, deserves uh, that same measure of justice. You know, we, we, oftentimes, you know, think people think of justice occurring when you come into a courtroom but as you all know, it has to begin from, from that incident, from the crime scene or from the incident scene to the completion of that process. And if, if you are allowed to allow other factors that might, you know, direct a certain outcome, which we saw in Ferguson and we saw in New York, then you don't get justice. You know, you don't get justice, and, and this family just wants justice.
3: Attorney Rogers, is there any plans uh to exhume uh young Lennon Lacey's body and do a private autopsy? Because you mentioned that the uh the uh the coroner for North Carolina said that there was no bruises on him, no facial injuries, but his mother observed right. facial injuries and bruises.
7: And and, and and there there certainly is uh that that is certainly a part of the uh uh the plan in terms of uh doing a thorough investigation. Uh uh I certainly encourage anyone interested, and in, we've we set up a website at uh for any information that's out with anyone that might assist in that effort. But I will say this, uh, you know, our medical examiner's office in the state of North Carolina, just in the last few years, there were some 200 cases, uh, give or take, that were significantly impacted because of some, uh, foul play with regard to our SBI, and uh, you know there have been you know allegations with regard to that, and even our medical examiner's office. And so, uh, you know, I, I I I think that ultimately, you know, we have gotten an independent pathologist uh, to review the records, and her report alone caused Dr. Radis who the medical examiner for the state of North Carolina, to acknowledge that uh, the, the notation that she put as suicide uh, was more based on what they said than what she saw, and that uh, she'd be more apt to say undetermined uh, as opposed to suicide given some of the variables that have come up. Uh, again, uh, items of clothing, the shoes not sent, uh, forensic testing not done, and the focus being that he, they said he was the cousin's uncle, as opposed to the mom who, you know, she's living with the child every day, and her her uh, exclamation that you know it took more than one person to do this. She didn't to him. She didn't get that.
3: Okay, uh, you know you kind of, you you expressed it a second ago, and I was going to mention this in the uh, the, the remaining time that we have. What is your faith, because you mentioned the FBI a minute ago, what is your faith that the FBI or even the Justice Department are going to get involved in this case? Because the published report was that the FBI uh, said that they were going to get involved. I don't know what happened in regards to the Justice Department. Uh, they might be well, one in the same. But uh, right, what right, is your it, faith it, about them getting involved?
7: Well, you know, I, I am extremely optimistic that they they are getting involved uh, and that and they, they – You know, I think we we have a a situation where there has not been a thorough investigation. And I I think, you know, when we had uh, public meetings in Bladenboro, uh, we had people coming forward, uh, both black and white folks, that were offering uh, information that was worthy of following up. Uh, you know, it it was it's worthy of following up and, you know, not wanting to get into all those details mm-hmm. but uh you had uh many people offering uh tidbits of information that warranted further investigation. So we're optimistic uh that the uh FBI, the US attorney uh in this area, uh will will uh you know, direct a more thorough investigation and we've offered some names and numbers and 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 you know to kind of assist in that effort. But by the same token, uh, you know, Leonard Lacey's family, his mother Claudia, <clears throat> his brother Pierre, uh, they have been on the ground from day one. Uh, you know, talking to people, uh, the young ladies that he allegedly was uh, had some relations with. If you can imagine, uh, they lived in one of those low-income housing units in. His front door and her front door is probably more than, you know, 50 to 75 yards away, and he's been doing some babysitting for her. And, you know, there's some, uh, I guess, information that uh, this older woman, may have been uh, grooming him for other things, so to speak. Okay. Uh, But uh, we're we're optimistic that the, uh, you know, the FBI – is going to assist in ensuring a more thorough investigation. And, uh, and again, as I said, uh, it's warranted. uh, If you consider the national conversation that's going on now, uh, you know, we we, we, we all need to contribute to making uh, a better and safer uh, society for all of us. Uh, But I I certainly think as it relates to law enforcement, uh, you know, there are some prejudices that want being addressed and you know, we can we can uh put our hands over our eyes and say they don't exist, but I think that this leads to the same old you know, same conduct, you know, continuing to occur. And our our young people deserve us being willing to stand up for them. And we may tell them to pull their pants up and be more respectful, but they certainly deserve to to get the same care and consideration of anyone
3: else in, in, in our community. Um, Attorney Rogers, before before we leave uh, this evening, you mentioned earlier about the involvement of the NAACP. Is there a strong branch there, or did they come from? Uh, what's the nearest city near you? Uh, Fayetteville.
7: Uh, yeah, I'm in Fayetteville. Okay. And uh, and, and you know I I, I applaud Dr. Barber. Uh, I don't know if the NAACP have been very effective in Bladen County, which is probably about thirty miles away. Okay. But uh as a result of this uh incident and, 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 and the people around, uh, you know, it's brought a lot of people to the table, a lot of people uh to uh the community in the community forward that uh, you know, support this family and they and they don't accept what they've been given. Uh and and so I think the NAACP, again, Fayetteville is a larger organization, but Dr. Barber has worked to galvanize people within that area. And, uh, and I think it's going to be effective, uh, you know, from as we go forward because, uh, the consciousness, uh, as well as, uh, them making themselves available, uh, to hear out, uh, you know, complaints and concerns, uh, you know, everyone, you know, when you have a a lead suicide, everyone looks at the family and they say, "Well, you know, that's a, a sensitive issue, and no one would want to accept it." But what I've said is equally sensitive in an area where you've had a Klan doing a rally in the next last two or three weeks, and a person found hanging in the middle of a trailer park. They're, they're sensitive about that because you know that certainly uh, is not something that they want to accept. So. I think we got to be fair to both interests and, and insist that a thorough investigation is done.
3: Before I let you go, Attorney Rogers, again, what can uh, uh, our people do? That's in other areas. Uh, we have well, a listening audience. What, again, what can our people do?
7: Well, again, we set up a website, uh, LynnLacey dot com, and uh, you know you can go to that website to get more information about how you can assist in this effort. Uh, his mother, uh, Claudia Lacey. Uh, you know i I've been practicing law twenty years and and you know I'm involved in a lot of police shooting cases and and uh and I've met a lot of folks that dealt with a lot of challenges So she is a she is a class act uh, and and I'll say to you this lady she worked into in the hospital system for many years in Virginia before moving here uh about a week before Christmas, the local hospital that she was working fired her because they said that uh, she was making too much noise while cleaning a room. Uh, I, I I will contend that they fired her because her son's case is making a lot of noise and bringing a lot of tension to that community. And, uh, you know, we we, we are uh, 100% in support of her. Uh, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, the bodies exhumed uh, to get a, A full and thorough investigation, and and we want to have our own investigators on the ground assisting to pull information together together to try to get to the truth, because uh, this this family deserves it. Uh, The notion that uh, she goes to be, and her son is getting ready for a football game, and she wakes up uh, thinking he's at school, and a police officer comes and says that in spite of him laying his clothes out, getting ready for a game after he worked too hard to pull his graves up, uh, he got so upset that he decided to walk a quarter of a mile to the middle of a white community and hang himself on a swing. It's it's just not something that makes any sense, and and the family deserves the truth. And we certainly appreciate any, any efforts and any support in, that, in, in our trying to get to the truth.
3: Attorney Rogers, I want to thank you for being with us this evening. Uh, thank you for uh, being there to uh, accept the challenge to help uh, the Lacey family, and uh, we'll be uh, in touch with you to get updates on uh, the progress of the case and what's going on.
7: And and, and I want to I want to thank you too. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, this this is not. You know, again, I do criminal. I, I do some injury stuff, uh, or injury cases. This this is not a case from a lawyer's standpoint that there's a, a monetary objective. I have a 28-year-old uh, son and a 23-year-old daughter, and, and I like to think that I have sons and daughters throughout my community. And I, I believe that uh, my dad is a holiness preacher. I believe to to whom much is given, much is required. And, and I think we owe it to the young folks. Uh, as we try to lead them to make better decisions, we have to step up at those moments where they're being threatened, and and we certainly are dealing with that uh, issue across the country. So I I, I definitely, uh, you know, I'm committed to accepting that call, and I certainly appreciate it because I feel you all are committed as well. And, uh, you know, God bless you, and and let's stay in touch.
3: Talk to you soon, sir. Thank you for your work. We'll be right back. With the second portion of our program, we'll be joined by Miss Carol Holloman Horn. We'll be right back.
1: Hello? Hello?
5: Five eight eight five two four four four. That number is 215 885 All insurance incorporated.
1: Darkness no longer, a child is born, Mothers shed tears of joy. His baby tests his lungs But daddy's not there Where he ought to be Somewhere in Georgia Skinning and shooting craps on his knees Another victim born Out here in the hood And based on statistics It really ain't all good Welfare takes the town And daddy can't sign And it can't be seen the family becomes a crime. The hunt is on, and brother, you're the prey. Serving time in jail, it just ain't the way. I'm living so hard, babe, that my hair's gray. We got to make a change, it's a brand new day. A new world order, a brand new day. No honor, a brand new day. A change of mind for the human race Operation Influx, and it's on the way We just marched a million plus the other day Look, look, we all witnessed the slip. Rolling down Miss Liberty's hand She knows the sleeping child She's no longer sleeping dead Oh, what a fulfillment of prophecy. Let us teach the children freedom's never been free. It's so okay to cry, go ahead and cry. Cause Jesus went, but hope and faith be kept. It's a new day. It's a brand new day. It's a change No need to fear, cause people the answer to your prayers are here. Sister Mary, don't you weep? Tell mother not to moan. We need the love, and that is coming home. There's no need to worry, the times dictate a plan. Mother Earth's given birth to a brand new man. Sister, I know you're missing this girl but hold on to your man, because the future looks good. Someday a, new world order, a brand new
3: day. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening, Sundays, 7 p.m., with your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, and uh, interesting t- uh, discussion with Attorney Alan Rogers in the first portion of the program. Of the Lacey uh, family, family of Lennon Lacey, the suspected lynching, and uh, I'm glad that uh, Mr. Rogers, Attorney Rogers, is on the case to help the family get justice. But the justice for the Lacey family is the justice for all of us. We're joined in the second hour by Miss Carol Holloman Horn. Miss Holloman Horn was a former Buffalo police officer who was fired in 2008 after she tried to stop a white fellow officer. From choking a black suspect that was already under arrest. And Ms. Holloman Horn is with us this this evening to discuss her story. Ms. Holloman Horn?
10: Yes. How are you? I'm good.
3: You're joined this evening on Time for an Awakening. Brother Ridge and Brother Ralph is here also, our co host. How are
6: you doing, Ms. Holloman? I I I can't
10: hear you. Can you hear me? I can
8: hear you good.
3: You you know what? I don't know whether you're far away from your receiver or your phone, but your voice was a little bit muffled.
10: Oh good. Um, it, it's good now. better?
3: Yes, it's great now. Yeah, I'm
10: talking right, in, right directly into
3: it now. Good. Ms uh, Ms. Horn, talk about uh, your case. In two thousand and six, uh this incident happened with you and the fellow officer, which led to your firing in two thousand and eight uh directly related to this incident. Give us a background. Talk about what happened uh, leading up to this incident and the incident itself.
10: Okay, well, um, on that day, there was a call of an officer in trouble. So when, um, well, actually, I responded to that call. When I got there, um, the officer, Gregory Kwiatkowski, he was punching um, the, um, I don't know if it was a suspect or, he was uh, the the person that was um, arrested, Neil Mac, he was punching Neil Mac in the face. Neil Mac was handcuffed in the front, and so you know, I, I didn't know what happened prior to me getting there. Um, you know, you, you could smell the pepper spray in the air, but I stepped back so that I wouldn't come in contact with it. Um, so either way, we wind up pushing Neil Mac out of the house. We get outside, and the officers started dispersing. So I was behind Gregory Kwiatkowski and Neil Mack because, you know, uh, we were all, like I said, going to our car, so I was behind them. But then Greg turned around and started choking Neil Mack. So I didn't know what happened in, to, in the house prior to me getting there. So I just yelled, Greg, you're choking him, thinking that, you know, that would, like, bring him back to reality and he would stop. But he didn't stop, so I grabbed his arm from around Neil Mack's neck then he came up and punched me in the face, causing me to have a bridge replaced. So then when I went to defend myself, two other officers pulled me back. Um, and then after that, you know, the one officer that pulled me back, she claimed that I had turned around and pushed her full force, causing injury to her leg, which never happened. And she also said that I jumped on Gregory Klakowski's back, which never happened. He even testified that it didn't happen. And um, she also said, you know, in in two prior cases, that another officer jumped on uh, an officer's back and that a citizen jumped on her back. So, you know, we hear all of these scenarios over and over again with the, he reached for my gun, you know, whenever an unarmed suspect is shot or um, um, he, he reached in his waist. You know, a lot of our young kids, which, you know, I don't agree with it, but some of them, they, they walk around with their pants hanging down. So if they're reaching to pull their pants up, then, I mean, that doesn't mean that the officer's life is in danger. But one of the things that we were taught in the academy was, it's better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6. And a lot of people would say, well, why doesn't an officer just um, shoot to wound? But officers are um, taught to shoot to kill. Which I don't agree with either. And then, you know, in the academy, I said if I hadn't lived and worked in the same um, area of the city, they would have made me afraid to go home because they make it seem as if everybody is out to kill you. So when these officers are are shooting our young men and women, um, then basically I think that they're afraid. But if they're that afraid, then they shouldn't be in, in the neighborhood.
3: Uh, Miss Horn, uh, your voice is is fading in and out. If you could kind of, um, where we can hear you, because uh, you said some uh, uh, important things, but uh, I couldn't hardly hear you. Um, you mentioned that in the academy they're trained to shoot to kill, you said.
10: Yes, we are trained to shoot to kill.
3: Okay. Uh, and, and just finish that because your voice went out, and I couldn't understand the rest okay, of what I'm you sorry. said.
10: Okay, I'm well, okay. um, sorry. we are trained to shoot to kill, Um we're told that it's better to be judged by twelve than carried by six. Even, you know what it's in the past Um So basically, like I said, you know, if I didn't work and live in the same neighborhood where I knew my neighbors, then I would have been afraid afraid to go into that neighborhood. Um, they 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 make you feel that everybody is out to harm you, which is not true. We already know that a few apples make it bad for a whole bunch. That's the same on the police department also, and rather than the police department dealing with those two bad apples, they get rid of people like me who try to stop the the, the bad apple, and they went on to promote him. He went on and he got a summary judgment. Let me be clear about the summary judgment for sixty-six thousand uh, dollars because he said I just dis- I defamed him, which is not true. But the attorney that I had at the time did not. Tell me that I had court, so I didn't show up because I didn't know I had court. So he was granted a $66,000 judgment um, against me, 20000 of which was paid to him prior to us having a court date, which I, I, I don't understand that, but either way it goes. He also went on to um, continue to beat on people. And he choked a, a officer on duty, um, which they, they let him get his pension, but they forced him to take it. And then after that, I, I don't know if I mentioned that he was promoted, but then, um, after that, there were two officers that were, um, working under his command and they shot some boys with a, a BB gun. And so now he's federally indicted.
3: okay and but they allowed him to to uh to resign in order to, to receive his pension
10: to retire to
3: retire i'm sorry in order to receive his pension mm-hmm. you, correct uh, go go back to that incident you said that you were called uh it was a domestic dispute or it was a fight in a bar what was going on
10: no it was actually a domestic dispute where the man the mailman flagged down um two officers okay. Well, flagged down a officer and the officer um, I don't know if that was the officer that called for backup, but he, uh, the lieutenant, was the the next officer to show up. So he and the lieutenant basically asked him to go get the mail. He kept telling them that he did not have the check, and it, it was a, it was basically um, a dispute about a check. And all of his charges were dropped. But during the call, the lieutenant and the other officer were the ones that first started beating on neil mac then they called for backup because neil mac's sons were there so i guess they thought that they were going to help their father so that's when more more officers came i don't know exactly which point the um officers called for backup but that was when i heard the call and okay. we got the call of the um officer in trouble
3: and this this uh this officer um was eventually uh, dismissed or or allowed to resign after being charged again. No, he didn't
10: resign. He retired. He retired
3: after being charged with with excessive force again.
10: Well, he came out smelling like a rose, so I don't know who was protecting him. But he was always involved. His his name kept coming up. If you Google his name, you'll see um, every time something came up, it would be like a news story about it. But he kept coming out smelling
3: like a rose. Now, how did it eventually... Um, give us a little background. Or, I, I know you can't really go into a lot of details, but give us a little background. No, I can on how, go
10: into all of the details.
3: Okay. Give us a little background on how they eventually uh, not basically charged you with assaulting them and led to your firing. When you got back to the station and had... Uh, uh, whether it was a swollen lip or, or swelling on the jaw where he had punched you in the face, and I'm quite sure the suspect probably mentioned that he had been choked. What was the what was said? What was the rationale behind them charging you with uh, obstructing an officer, or whatever you were charged with that led to your firing? Well,
10: when um when I um and stay close to that
3: receiver, Miss Horn, because I don't want your voice to fade.
10: Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you now. Okay. Well, I um, As soon as I left the scene, the, the lieutenant basically told us, you know, get to the station house, whatever. So we went to the station house, but before I got there, I called the chief, and I told her that he had punched me in the face, and she asked. It wasn't intentional. And I said, yes, it was. So she told me to come to the station house and see her. So I said, well, I'm on my way now because the lieutenant ordered us back. So then when I'm, I was in her office speaking to her, telling her about what happened, the lieutenant, he came in and he said, she jumped on his back. You know, she was he was talking about um, Gregory Kwiatkowski. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I did not jump on his back. You know, how can I jump on his back when we're face-to-face and there's a suspect between us that he was choking? So basically... Um, I don't know how it got turned around, because when I asked internal affairs, um, which is is called professional standards, but when I asked them to um, lock him up for punching me in the face, the Lieutenant Ortiz, he says, well, it has to be investigated. And I said, well, how does it have to be investigated? Somebody can call the police, and I lock up some people on information and belief." From the person's complaint. So how how does this have to be investigated? So they would not lock him up. They would not make him accountable for punching me in the face. And then I um, we had to basically what's called a P73. We had to give an account of what happened. But there was only one computer. I mean, uh, not computer. The computer even down. There was only one typewriter where we all had to do our P73. So I went to my car and got my laptop. So when I put it on my shoulder, that's when I realized that, you know, my sho- I had pain in my shoulder. So I told the lieutenant I needed to go to the hospital. He would not let me go until I had did the paperwork. So, um, but then when Internal Affairs took the reports from us, they, they set us all down and basically got an account from each of us of what happened. Gregory Plakowski told them that he had Neil Mac. um, they, one wrote down neck hold. Bottom line, it was a choke hold. He called it a bear hug headlock at one point. Um, another officer said that he had him in a, a choke hold for like 15 to 20 seconds. But either way it goes, I was not the only one to say to say that. Okay. And Then Neil Mac's son also said it, and Neil Mac. But they found me guilty, basically because they don't want to deal with the the um, police brutality.
3: So tell our, tell our listening audience, what exactly did they fire you for? After 19 for years of service, I think. He, go ahead.
10: They said I tried to interfere with the arrest. And like I told you, when I went into the house, he was already arrested and in handcuffs. I helped push him out of the house. Then when we went into the um, driveway going outside, that is when he started choking him. So there was no arrest that I was trying to interfere with. I was interfering with the chokehold. Um, so that was one of the charges. Then when, you know, I kept seeing like newspaper, um, clippings of the story that I knew was not true. I knew I had, I didn't jump on his back. I went on a public access show to tell them my account of what happened. And when I did that, they brought me up on three more charges, charging me with, charging me with, um, going on the radio show when the investigation was not complete and I said well if it wasn't complete why was I brought up on charges but that was only that was only um to bring three more charges on me but um like I said I didn't do those things
3: uh Mr. Uh, Holliman-Horn you were had 19 years of service in the police department up until that point uh what what, other,
10: okay. what? what did the
3: other twenty years and two Okay, what did the other officers, especially the black ones, say in your behalf in in the city of Buffalo? Is there a Guardian Civic League? A Guardian Civic
10: League, you said?
3: Yeah, I am just curious because uh, in in Philadelphia, I am not they,
10: sure what that is. So okay, probably
8: not.
3: well, let me describe it because it, I, I, in Philadelphia, they have a uh, organization called the Guardian Civic League, which is uh, basically uh, black officers are involved in that they kind of deal with the issues of uh of uh discrimination and things like that that happened to black officers in the department now i don't know whether they have that in the buffalo department if they don't did any of the uh african-american police in the
10: afro-american police a- association
3: good okay Did they, they-, they
10: gave me a benefit um but the afro-american police association was not very strong okay and uh, we have a black mayor, um, we have the same mayor now, uh, we had a black police commissioner and we had a black deputy commissioner. Um, the black deputy commissioner is the one that fired me. It wasn't the commissioner. But either way it goes, you know, um, instead of them dealing with the issue, instead of them dealing with him, because this wasn't the first time, I have never had any charges. I've never, I mean, suspensions. Suspended. So I have never been suspended but I've been fired twice, and the first time that I was fired was because I had an injury that they knew about. They knew it was on-the-job injury, so they fired me, and I had to fight to get back, and once I got back, it was like they were looking for a reason to get rid of me again, but it was an illegal firing, so they had to bring me back, and when I say that, um, he sued me for 66000 um and he got 20000 that was out of the first settlement that they that they gave me. Um, the first firing. they took twenty thousand of my money and, and put it aside for him before we even had a hearing. far wow. as far as the AAPA um, in the city of Buffalo, it's it's political. So it's really, um, you know, when people want to say black and white issues, I just said it was pretty much wrong or right. Because we had the blacks in place to do something, but they didn't. They came after me instead. Okay. Even though he was wrong, and now he's federally indicted, they still won't go back and review my own case. The the um, common council um tried to do something, and then the the law department, the city's law department, told them that they had no standing. That they they could not reverse a decision or make a decision on that because it was already um, decided on. But, you know, for me, it's like a person that's been locked up for years for a crime they didn't do, you know, um, and then they get out. For me, it's like I didn't do anything wrong, so why am I the one that's suffering? You know, me and my five kids. Why do we have to suffer for me doing the right thing? And then he gets out, like I said, smelling like a rose. But now that he's federally indicted, now, you know, people want to take a second look, but the city still won't go back and, and review my case.
3: We're joined in conversation this evening with Ms. Carol Holloman horn a former Buffalo police officer who was fired in 2008 after she tried to stop a white officer from choking a black suspect who was already under arrest. You can join this conversation at 215-253-7263. That's 215 253 Seven two six three. Ralph, before you uh, asked uh, your question, let me uh, get a caller in here. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from?
9: Uh, brother Joe uh, from Germantown. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, LA. Hey, hey, brother Ralph and uh, Reg, how y'all doing, man? Hey, hey, brother Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, how, how you doing, Miss Horn? Hi. How are you? I'm doing okay, Miss Horn Your, your, your situation is, is is personal for me because I, I got I just was talking to my sister. I got family live up in Buffalo. I've been up to Buffalo, New York, several times. I know the area real well, and uh, and I, uh, you know, it's, it's just this sad, Miss Hornick. That, that, that we as black people have to keep going through this stuff. You know, I mean, you you, you was trying to do the right thing, and you get fired. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's, it's to me it's just typical of the mentality in this country. If you don't, if you just want, if you just want to sit back and just let a, a, a innocent black man or woman be abused. Unjustifiably so. Then it's fine when you speak out or try to stop an unjustified beating or or what a beat down, or whatever. Then you looked the upon as like you know as if like you some kind of criminal yourself. And I pray, Miss Horn, that you get the police union behind you, or whomever that you gets to fight for you, to be or whatever, so you can get your job back. Because I know you got a family, you got children to take care of, and I'm gonna continue to keep you in my prayer. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get my sister. Like I said, I just talked to my sister just now, and I'm gonna get them to try to you know, reach out to you and stuff like that. Because I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just you shouldn't have to be going, keep going through this kind of stuff. You're just trying to do, do the right thing, Miss Horn. Now. So I'm gonna keep you in my prayer. And uh, again, you know. You know, you do your, what you have to do on your end, like you said, get a lawyer or, or police, uh, a uh, union in the back, whatever the case may be, to try to get your job back, because you need your job like, any, like anybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just hope, you walk so inside, just hope and pray that everything will work out well for you and stuff. Like I said, I'm going to get my sister to reach out to you and stuff, because like uh? I got family up in the Buffalo area, you know. Question. Say again? No, no, go ahead, Joe. No, no, that's what I was saying. I, I, I hope that the way things went out well for for, for Miss Horn and stuff, you know, because like I said, with this mindset today, we live in a hostile atmosphere with things is just so anti-black now, you know. I'm not anti-police, but one thing I am, I'm anti-police brutality. I make no uh, no no bargains about no excuses for that. You know, these brutal, racist cops, thuggish cops, whether they be black, white, Puerto Rican, whatever, they need to be weeded off the force and see what happens a lot. You know, you know what I mean, Miss Horn? That's what needs to happen. And see, what happens a lot of times is that you always hear about the, the police department, they quick to tell the black communities, you know, don't get involved with that stop stitching thing. And, and I agree with that. In, in the black community or, or any community, if somebody's committing crimes or they hurt somebody in a, in a crime related, you should definitely report it to the police. That's what they there for. But by the same token, Ms. Horn, when police know they're working with a racist cop. Or or corrupt cop or brutal cop, then they need to turn on him as well. If you want that same cooperation from the for the community, if you, you know driver. you got bad cops among you, you got you need to out them. like You ask them black people to out the criminals.
10: It's a system. So I mean, just as an officer, uh, people will turn on the officer. And so mm-hmm. People, you cops that all oh, these people are um, people you have to rely on if your life is in jeopardy. Well, I was just trying
8: to rely on my own. Mm-hmm.
9: Okay. And, Miss One, I know it's not easy to, to take the stairs you take because right hand. Philadelphia. It was a case. I look. I, I just. I close with this. It was a, a black, a, a legendary black police officer name was a He was the head of the local NAACP here in Philadelphia back in the 1960s. 60s and think early 70s, and he was a, one of the first black police officers in this city. And uh, he was a stand up brother, and he and he was he was targeted by the racist element in the police department, especially during the Frank Rizzo era, who was the late the late bigoted mayor and, and former police commissioner, because he took a stance. He would not, you know, let white police think- officers. You know, bruised black people file, He would stand up and he would stop them a lot. of it. And because of that, he was isolated and targeted. And a lot of times, he would be out there by himself, Miss Horn. They wouldn't, if he asked for backup, they wouldn't get him backup. But they was pretty much trying to get the brother killed because he stood up and stuff. But thank God, he, he you know, nothing never happened to him, and he was able to, you know, live his life. Till he, you know, passed away of natural causes. You know, so I know how it is when you're a black man working in this police department. You stand up for what's right. You know, you definitely become the target. You know. So I just want to encourage you, Miss Horn. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, and fight for your job. And you got people out here like like myself, my sister. You got Reggie Elliott and Brother Ralph there in your corner, and, and people that listening around the country. So keep the good fight up, Miss Horn, and things will prevail. Right, will make out, and you will get your job back, and all your back pay and everything that that's, that's, that's due. You okay, Miss Horn? Hi,
10: thank you so much. Thank
9: you're
5: you, welcome. You thank take you for it, your Brother call,
9: Regina Ralph, Ralph.
3: Three oh one area code, call it with your name. Where are you calling from?
11: Yes, how you doing, brother Elder? My name is Watu. I'm calling from Frederick, Maryland.
3: How are you, sir? Brother
11: Ralph and Brother Ridge. Uh, hope you guys are well. Yeah. Uh just, just a warning there. I uh well I want to first start out saying I I understand you're trying to get your job back and uh sounds like you uh somebody that doesn't fit doesn't need to be with those those criminals that you're working with. No,
10: I'm so, just trying oh. to get my pension. in. I'm not trying to get the
8: job back. I'm just trying to get my pension. <laughs> you.
11: Okay, well, I, 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 wish, you, I, I wish, wish you well in that endeavor. As, uh, uh, somebody with your integrity, I don't think, needs to be on that police force, and uh, there's something out here better for you. But uh, I was wondering, in your, your uh, 19 years of your career with that police force, if you ever observed uh, other pieces of uh, types of injustices, uh Occurring against other people, and if so, uh, were you, were you, uh, were you ostracized, or were you, uh, well, yeah, if if you ever observed that against, against, uh, yeah, you know.
10: people being arrested for, um, things that they didn't do, um, like we call it the trilogy on the police department harassment, resisting arrest, and, um, uh, obstructing. Those are like the three charges we have against all the charges, really, to, to be, um, given. And I think the stop and frisk is, or I call it stop and kill. I think that's that's, like, but,
8: that's but,
10: illegal. But what we need to do is we need to, when they, they make these bills and, and want to turn them into law, we need to be aware of this stuff, because there's no way that that should have gone through. And I'm yeah. guilty of it, too,
3: because Ms. Holmes, do me a favor, repeat what you said again because your voice is fading and what you said was important. Okay. Start from where you said the, the trilogy among I'm the saying police that,
10: department. Um, we need to pay attention to these bills that they're turning into laws. Like the stop and frisk, for instance, is, and like I said, I, I call it stop and kill now because basically if an officer feels that you're suspicious or any reason, they can they can stop you. Now what's suspicious to me is not going to be suspicious to somebody else. And what's suspicious yeah. to um, maybe uh, an officer who doesn't live in the neighborhood that I live in, maybe what's suspicious to him is not going to be suspicious to me. But if he decides that he wants to pull somebody over or if they're walking down the street, wants to check him out, he can do that. And it, it will be like um, anything can happen at that point. It's all under the officer's control. And and just to give an example, um, well I drive truck now, but since my truck has been in the shop, I decided to drive taxi the other day, the other night. And I picked up a guy from the from the um hospital, it was a white guy. He um obviously was in a bar fight, this is what he explained to me, and he hit his head. Either way it goes, I take him home and his so I'm i I'm giving him the receipt to sign. He had called for his wife to come out. So when she came out, she started yelling at me. And so I, I just looked at her and I said, I'm not the one. So I told him, I said, you need to get your wife because I don't know what she's talking about. I was like, but, you know, I'm just dropping you off, so I don't know what's going on between you and her or whatever, but there was no reason for, for, you to, um, for her to take it out on me. So anyway, a police officer came behind me. So he, then he came on the side of me, and basically he says, um, you could have pulled to the side. And I said, well, I just picked up this gentleman from the hospital. He bumped his head or whatever um, in a bar fight. He was knocked unconscious, so I was trying to get him as close as I could to his house. So he says, well, he's not in your effing car now, is he? So then I, I looked at him and he said, I can give you a ticket. I said, well, you know what? You can do what you want to do. So then he came he got my license and registration um, for the taxi. And then he went back to his car. He pulled behind me and and. Um, went back to his car. At that point, anything could have happened. And he came back to the car, and he says, oh, carry your horn. And then he started, I mean, he was like a, had a completely different attitude. Um, I actually thought for a minute that I liked him. I was like, wow, you know I mean? He had such a pleasant attitude. He says, I was trying to be nice. I said, I'm sure you were. And then yeah. he gave me my stuff and let me go. But the point is, I could have been a black male, And he could have done the same thing. Obviously, if he pulled on the side of me, there was enough room for him to get around me. But just because he felt that he wanted to mess with me that night, that's what he did. And like I said, it could have been a black male, and things could have gone wrong. The black male would have said the same things that I said. He could have been locked up, charged with the trilogy, and then, you know, got beat up because they're going to charge him with resisting arrest. So because he resisted, or if I can put quotes up, resist it, Um, then, you know, he gets beat up. So basically, um, with all of these bills and laws coming out, we need to pay attention. We actually need to make our own bills and laws and get rid of some of these unjust unjust laws.
11: Yes, I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly because uh, the, the bills and laws that they make is nothing but the opinion of the ruling class. We have opinions... Uh, you know that that are contrary to their opinions in, in most cases. Uh, so I agree with you. We we need to have uh, start having these tribunals and, and and holding these local politicians and and uh, policemen accountable for the, the for the harm and the the, the destruction they uh, they carry out in our community. So I commend you for your bravery, sister.
10: Thank you.
3: Thank you for your call, brother Watto. Caller. Yes. Oh, I guess key has gone. I'm sorry, uh, Miss Horn. You you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, and your voice had faded, and I wanted you to to restate that. You mentioned that it's a trilogy among the police department uh, the three charges that they'll if they don't have any that they can throw on the suspect. Say those again: obstructing,
10: resisting, and harassment.
3: Okay. All right. And you, and you mentioned that you had been guilty of some of those things in the past.
10: Yeah, I mean, like um, some people would say, oh, she was like a horrible officer and this and that. Well, I learned early it was uh, two officers, Idella Abram and um, Justin Harris, who were constantly talking to me about the racism and okay. um, the spirit treatment and stuff like that. I didn't want to hear it at the time. Okay. But it stuck with me. You know, because I wasn't going through it. I didn't understand the way I understand now. Okay. But they they constantly would keep banging it into my head, banging it into my head. Because when I came on, there was a class in 86 where there was a lot of blacks, and then I was in the class of 88. And in our class, there was a lot of blacks. Now, because I was was 20 years old when I started on the police department, I didn't understand a lot of stuff because I was still young, actually 20 years old. I was young to go into a bar, but I was old enough to get into the police academy. But um, so coming onto to the department, there's a lot of things that I didn't understand. And some people were telling me, well, did you hear when the mayor pretty much said that you're only on because Judge Curtin made a ruling? And so I said, no, I didn't hear that. And even if I did hear it, I didn't understand it. Okay. So basically they, um, you know, they were saying, well, they had to hire us, but they didn't have to keep us. So a lot of people in my class, uh, black people, well, people, period, but definitely black people, were, um, fired for whatever reason. Um, that was disparate from white officers who basically stayed on the department for the same charges or worse. You know, I mean, you literally had, people who committed homicide working on the police department, but they, they, they like um, let them get away
4: with it.
3: Brother Reg, brother Ralph, jump in. Uh, I know you want to ask a question or two.
4: Yes, I did. Uh, Sister horn. uh, I've been listening the whole time and um, I don't blame you for not wanting to go back.
3: Just get, get the
4: money that's owed to you so you can take care of you and your family. But what often amazes me about the police department, and maybe you can help me understand this because I don't. I see these black mayors, these black police chiefs, yet the black officers are just railroaded. Explain to me. Yeah, that's because. Yeah, okay, go ahead.
10: Anybody that's put into a high position, um, obviously I'm not put in that position because they're fighting against it. So, um, you know, like um, earlier I, I heard um, um, at the first half of the, of the program that Barack Obama is not doing anything. Well, you know, when he had that officer and, um, and that college professor, I believe it was a college professor,
0: Gates.
10: come to Washington and had a beer, I was like, really? Like, he had <laughs> a was. beer with him? I mean, who's <laughs> going to really learn from that? I mean, I understand what he was trying to do. But that wasn't going to solve the problem. There's like a real racial issue out here. And, and obviously if we still have people being hung and two, two thousand and well, now it's 15, but in 2014, you still have people being hung. We have a serious problem. You have police officers who basically kill somebody who doesn't even have a weapon
8: right. and
10: they get away with it. And one thing, um, the Darren Wilson said about, um, shooting uh, mike brown was that he did his job uh-huh. and i said you know what as much as i disagree with him i had to agree that he shot him to kill him and that's what we're taught so when he say he did his job he certainly was talking about what they teach us shoot to kill
4: right now you know you brought up an interesting point too and i try not to bring up that president but you know, that beer summit he had at the White House opened up the door for a lot of what we're seeing now, in my opinion, because he had it a chance was. then, he had a chance then to put his foot down or whatever and, and, and start investigating and stuff. But he invites the guy, he just, I mean, and this guy, Henry Gates, who I don't think much of either, he had a chance to put it, I mean, that was supposed to be his Harvard buddy. So... That just opened up the door for a lot of what we're seeing now. They have no fear of what's going on. And the thing that amazes me is you have these mayors, you have these DAs, you have these police chiefs, and, you know, even with the Eric Gardner situation, maybe you can explain this. There was a black female supervisor that stood idly by and watched all that. Now, a lot of people that aren't bringing up that point but she was the supervisor. But I guess she recognized she really didn't have no power in her hand to do anything about
10: it. Exactly. she yeah. had no power You're going up against the system. Everybody doesn't want to be fired. And what's crazy to me is that, okay, that's all they can do. That's why when you said, well, I know you can't speak about those things. I said, I can speak about whatever. They fired me. What else can they do to me? So basically she has no power, right. you know, um, a lot, of, a lot of people in um, high-ranking positions have no power because, as we know, a lot of these corporations and stuff own, I, 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 wanna, I was about to say us, but own um, those positions. Right. So basically, they put people in those positions who they know will just go with the flow.
4: See, and see, I could tell that you're a sister of integrity, and I know a couple of police officers in Philadelphia who have a lot of integrity, they tell me about some of the things that they go through. But, you know, I I listened to this one sister and I read her article. Her name is Sister Marsha Coleman Abedale. And she says that the police force, and you you said it correctly, it is a system. They are nothing more than modern-day slave patrols, so it don't matter if you're black or white on these slave patrols. If you are loyal to the system, you know your job, and that's what you're supposed to do. Is she correct in saying that?
10: She's definitely correct in what she's saying. that, I um, was watching Roots. This is like after a couple of years of being fired, I watched Roots and just started crying because I was like, it was like an aha moment. Like, wow, I get it now. It's modern day slavery.
4: <laughs> mm. It's crazy. Well, I know Brother Reg, uh, we're running a little bit uh, late in the program, so I know Brother Reg wanted to get in here and ask you a couple of questions. But uh, I just had to get those things off my chest because I'm looking at people willingly take part in this system. And, I mean, I know it pays your bills. You got to take care of your children. You got to take, you know, that's it. was a black
10: officer that, that said to me, that he sat and watched um, a white officer beat on somebody. And I said, well, did you do something? He says, no. And I said, why? He said, because I didn't want to be like you. I <laughs> have family to take care of. And, and I the, understood what he said. Right, I mean, I understood whole, what he meant. Everybody's uh, afraid of losing their job, but they don't realize that if they stand up, that it won't be losing their job. It's just, I mean, if we stand but, together... And go against everything that we know. It's like we know what goes on. With but black, there's nothing we can do about it.
4: With a black chief, police chief and a black mayor, that's pretty sad.
10: Yeah, right now um the, the uh, police chief that was on then is not on now. The mayor actually fired him. Um mm. why I don't know. But, but he was well, fired fire the other guy.
4: But the mayor would nope. fire the other guy.
10: Exactly. The boy, yeah. Exactly. Fire the police chief but would not fire the person who's indicted now,
4: federally indicted. You know that's serious. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna turn it over to Brother Ridge.
6: Uh thank you for answering my question, sister. Oh no
10: problem.
6: Yeah, good evening, Sister Horn. I, I really don't have too many questions. Um I just I just hope that you were made whole as far as um getting what is owed to you for your you know, your service and, and you know what you what you know what you've been uh which you and your family have gone through the, the, the question I, that I have on my mind, what would you tell any children in your family, children in your community and children that are not yours, the best ways to engage police if they have to have any sort of engagement with them?
10: I say be respectful and even being respectful, you're not guaranteed see when I'm coming out alive, but,
3: be respectful. Wow, Miss <laughs> Horn. A couple of things before before we uh, let you go. Uh, I just read a published report, and and you can expand on it. That the city council concluded that they don't have the authority to restore your pension. Uh, but I know yes. that I know that won't stop you. You're going to still continue to fight. Uh, what is the because you you expressed earlier that you, that there was a black mayor that there is a black mayor and there was a black police commissioner um, the the racial dynamic in buffalo uh, the city council uh, is it many blacks on the council is it uh is it uh, predominantly black council what tell us about it
10: um i think there's more whites, but there are um about, uh, three or four blacks. About or maybe right? yeah, about
3: four blacks. Um, and if the this- council
10: president is black, and he's also a pastor.
3: Okay. Um, there you go, right there. A- <laughs> what? T- mm-hmm. Tell me this Owen. What was their reason for not being able to? Because it would seem as though the, the city council does to have the power. Excuse me, does have the power to. To hire, fire, restore pensions and things of that nature. They're paying the bills. Right. Well,
10: that's because the city, the city attorney told them that they didn't have the power to do that. So that's what they're going by. But I've gotten some paperwork. Uh, Well, I'm not going to try to pull it out now. I would have if I could have just went right to it. um, That I got yesterday. And from reading that paperwork, it seems like they may have. Um, more power than what they think, but of course, the city council um doesn't want to go back on the on, i mean uh, not the council the um city attorneys don't want to go back on the decision that because their city attorney they fired her the one that that um um fought my case for the city, they got rid of her, you know, I don't know why, but the point is um she's gone, so they don't wanna go back on a decision that they've made. Um because of course that's gonna cost them a lot of money.
3: Before I let you go, Miss Horn, I, I want your honest opinion on this and I'm gonna I wanna read to you some names and, and briefly read two cases and get your opinion on the question that I'll preface it with or or the question that I'll ask after I read them. Uh Eric Gardner case, you're familiar with that? Michael Brown and Ferguson.
10: I'm very familiar with that because Um, In my case, you know, the guy was being choked, and I always say he lives, and I don't regret that. I don't regret my job was not worth his life. And the Eric Garner case, it's like we sat and we watched him die, just like um, Christopher Dorner, the the, um, officer from um, California. He tried to tell us about the police brutality, and he snapped. (laughs) I totally understand where, where he was coming from, but the point is nobody wanted to listen to him, and we watched on c n n while they burned him burned in him that alive. house, yes, um the house was surrounded, so why did you have to burn him up? You know it's like we are sitting and we're watching um like um, um Mike Brown laid in the street, you know, they did public lynchings before, now it's it's pretty much public executions, but we're sitting sitting there, and we're watching it, you know and and so the people in Ferguson, I have to applaud them because. They were like, forget that, we don't wanna we don't wanna deal with this no more. So then the rest of the world wanna say, Hands up, don't shoot. But okay, we can protest all day long, but we need solutions. And then when the the boy went and killed the, the New York police officers, I don't agree with that, but I do believe that's what it's coming to, is that now people are gonna start killing officers because they they are forcing people to have no other choice. Just like I said, with the stop and frisk. They can stop you at any point. For whatever reason, and you have no choice in the matter. And so then, when they don't have a charge, they just don't like you. Then, and you get you get charged with the trilogy. Well, resisting arrest is a reason for them to beat you because it's like, well, you resisted. So I had to do because you can use as much force necessary to make the arrest. So, if if beating the crap out of you is is um, enough force to make the arrest, then that's what's gonna happen. And then if they Make a mistake and kill you. Oh well, you resist it. Sorry to uh, go all into that, but you can
3: ask no, to the no. I, I think the audience needed to hear that from someone that that had been on the force at one time. Uh, before we let you go, because we're coming up into the uh, nine o'clock hour and the end of the program, uh, Miss Horn, the the. And we see now that it seems like calculated uh, uh, um, efforts, so to speak, of when these incidents happen to young blacks, older blacks, black women, that these things immediately go to a grand jury. Well, not immediately. A lot of times they go to a grand jury. They're never charged. They never sit before a jury. It always goes to a go to a grand jury, and the grand jury comes back with a decision not to prosecute. Uh, Tell me, is uh, I I know that you you kind of understand that dynamic, but what? Tell us what's behind that. What's the thinking behind always sending all these cases to a grand jury?
10: Oh, I have no clue why they're sending it to a grand jury when they're not going to do anything anyway.
3: Okay, but all if right.
10: you if you committed a crime against me and I came to you and you are the, the 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 judge jury and all of that, are you going to say that you're guilty? Of course you're not. So if you're all part of a system, you know, when you think about it, you think about one arrest, think about how many jobs that creates. Yes. I can wait.
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I
10: hear you. So you got a police officer, correction officer. Yes. uh, Parole, um, parole, the judges, the lawyers, corrections, the prisons. I mean, that's that's the ultimate Bell, goal. Is Bell Bondsman? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, one arrest creates all those jobs. So who's going to stop that? <laughs> Nobody. They don't want to stop that. So that's why, I mean, I don't know what the solution is, but there, there has to be, I mean, you know, people like Martin Luther King. I'm... I'm I'm, like, looking at our mayor and our deputy com- commissioner saying, you know, you wouldn't have these jobs if people didn't die for you to be in those positions. And then for me to stand up and try to do the right thing and get fired for doing the right thing, I just really was upset with – I didn't care about what the city did to me. It's like the city can do what they want. But these black men, they sat and just watched me be publicly, um, i say lynched, but, you know, I'm not, like, like, die lynched, but, you I know, know it's you, like, yes. Mm-hmm. but then i have then i had to think
4: about it i said not really have no power
10: either well i'm gonna you tell
4: know? you You're like hmm uh, no I'm, I'm gonna tell you a grand jury is basically when a prosecutor doesn't want to bring up charges he'll leave it to a, a jury and that jury is going to make a decision whether or not that this thing should go to trial that's all the grand jury is—is is when the prosecutor. Right. You think about who
10: makes up the grand jury.
4: Right. He doesn't even. He doesn't even. Wanna, yeah. So he if people. Bring, go ahead.
10: If black people can can get on social services and they want, then they should be able to be on the grand jury. They should be made to be on the grand jury. So you know they want to. They want to. And, and one breath, you know, it's like, um, you can do this, and the next breath you can't. I mean. If, if you're going to make up a jury pool, use the people that are on social services also.
7: That's correct.
3: I agree with well,
10: you. Well, we still might get more whites than blacks, but still we should get more of a full chance.
3: Ms. Holloman-Horn, I, I want to thank you for t- being able to tell your story. If, if any of our listening audience can help in some fashion, tell us uh, what the listening audience can do, whether they can make calls, write letters. Uh, if you know, tell us Tell us something before you leave.
10: Um, well, actually, I have a um, a um, uh, Dick Cario Horn her pension. Cario Horn, C A R I O L. Dick Cario Horn her pension. Do, wait a minute, page uh, on do, do me a favor
3: because you, you're fading. So, uh, say that again.
10: Get Cario Horn her pension is a page on Facebook. Okay. So um, I'll make sure that all of the information gets put on there.
3: Good and, and um, of anything
10: that can be done, uh, anything um, that I find out, or even if they have suggestions on what I can do.
3: And uh, if you, I'll try to uh, get that link, and, and we can put it on uh, a Time for Awakening page, also.
10: Yeah, then that they can um, write, email the city, the mayor, City of Buffalo, New York, the mayor, the state, because the state is supposed to look in. To my intention now. And the city wants to get it out of their hands because, like I said, it's political. So they don't want to go against um, the system.
3: <laughs> I understand. I want to thank you for being with us this evening and, and telling us your story and sharing it with the listening audience.
10: Hi. Right, thank you so much.
3: Thank you for being with us. Okay. Bye. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, uh, we'll uh, bring things to a conclusion.
10: Our distinguished
2: guests, brothers and sisters, our friends
4: and and our enemies.
2: (laughs) Everybody is here.
3: Antiquity to the present Our people need to develop a new paradigm It's time for an awakening Sundays 7pm With your hosts Elliot and Reggie Welcome back to Time for an Awakening And I want to thank our guest this evening Attorney Alan Rogers That represents the uh, Lennon Lacey The family of Lennon Lacey The young man that was lynched And I won't say suspected I'll just say he was lynched in Bladenboro, uh, North Carolina, he joined us this evening in the first hour, and he, we just heard from Miss Carol Holman Horn, a former Buffalo police officer who was fired in 2008 after she tried to stop a white officer from choking a handcuffed black suspect during an arrest. I just want to uh, I want to thank everybody for participating in the program this evening. A lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back next week, Lord willing. To continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace.
2: If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, or you're watching your children playing. After school They seem to be So unaware I know, I know The thing that they'll soon Have to take care we